Well, good morning, everybody. My name's Alex Barrett. I'm the, the pastor here at uh, Ridgeview, and we're so glad that you're here uh, to worship with us. And last week, we launched a new series called uh, The Proven Playbook, and you'll see uh, you should have a program. If you need one and you don't have one, you can go ahead and raise your hand, and somebody from our welcome team will get you one. And on the front of that is this kind of the title, and you can see this, this idea of sports. And what we're looking at in this series is the plays that we go to that kind of show us how we team together. These are the direction. This is how we want to, to work together. And if you missed last week, you can uh, find us online. You can listen uh, at ridgeviewchurch.com. And if you go to the, the message tab, you can stream that. You can also podcast and the messages are, are, are on there. But I just want to do a, since we're speaking of like sports and this, this motif of teaming together, I want to just give you the replay of what we did last week. And we looked at key play number one as a church that we have, which is others uh, before me. And uh, we're talking about how these plays are the things that we go to, these direct the way that we handle ourselves, the way that we relate to each other. And that idea of others before me is a different way of living. Technically, we want to focus most of the time on me before others. Um, all of us in our hearts, we want our own way, we want our own goals and our strategies, and we, we work towards getting them. When you decide to follow Christ, what happens is you, you actually become a part of a new team and you become a part of the kingdom of God team and you get a new jersey and you take off kind of the old ways that you live and, and you put on the new ways. You put on this new jersey. You, you represent a new head coach and that's Jesus himself. And this flows out of this new life that you have, this new team that, that you live for, these new plays that you've been given. And so we have these plays as a church that we call the heart attitudes and these summarize our attitude and approach to how we want to live life, how we want to operate, how we want to work together. And so we looked at hard attitude number one last week, which is put the goals and interests of others above my own. That's the practical way that we live out others before me. People have goals, they have interests, and the way that we put others in front of us is, is we, we actually put their goals and interests specifically in front of our own. And that's hard attitude number one. Well, today we're going to look at play number two. And play number two is this. It's discretion, not deception. And I want to I show a video because as we're talking about sports, uh, many times we, we have heroes in sports that we look up to and they become these figures that we admire because of what they do on the field or on the diamond or whatever it may be. And then there's times in life when the, these, these heroes that we put before us, uh, they're not who we thought they were. There's a sense in which we, we see that they're, they're not only the hero that we thought, but there's actually things about them that, that we don't like, that we didn't know, and, and we can become blindsided. And what we find is it leads to disappointment. Uh, I think one of the, the biggest sports scandal of the last, like, 20 years is, is the story of Lance Armstrong. Everybody know who Lance Armstrong is? He was a seven-time Tour de France winner, overcame cancer, uh, defied all the odds. Well, what came out a few years ago was that he had actually been doping and cheating to achieve all those accolades to help his performance to get to that, that competitive edge on other, on other athletes. And what happened is, is because of the, him getting caught in the, the confession, like everything that people thought about him began to crumble because it, it wasn't real. Let's watch this video of him talking to Oprah about kind of this whole process. So let's start with the questions that people... So let's start with the questions that people around the world have been waiting for you to answer. And for now, I'd just like a yes or a no. Okay. Okay. 
This whole conversation, we have a lot of time, will be about the details. Yes or no, did you ever take banned substances to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. Yes or no, was one of those banned substances EPO? Yes. Did you ever blood dope or use blood transfusions to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. Did you ever use any other banned substances like testosterone, uh, cortisone, or human growth hormone? Yes. Yes or no? In all seven of your Tour de France victories, did you ever take banned substances or blood dope? Yes. Uh, the, the way that interview was handled was, was basically that it's just two answers, yes, yes or no. And in his yeses, everything that people had accused him of in the years, everything that he had denied, he finally got to the point where he admitted his wrong. And this play, dis- discretion, not deception, this idea of not deceiving others, uh, is tied to trust. And so anytime you want a team with a group of people, whether it's your family, your spouse, your friends, your coworkers, if there is no trust... You really can't team. You can't really make progress with other people if trust doesn't exist. I think we all know that. And so today, what we're going to be talking about is how do we get to the point where we can actually be building trust instead of just tearing it away? What are the things that we can do that build trust here in church? What are the things that we can do that build trust with those that we love and we relate to? And so we're going to kind of look head on of this idea of how do we get out of that, that pull to deceive that pull to appear like we might have things all together, that, that pull to, to tell lies, that pull to put masks on. And so this is just kind of an honest conversation where a lot of times we don't talk about these things because, again, even just the thought of deception is deceiving because you don't even want people to know that that's, that's going on. And so we're going to kind of pull back some of the layers and talk about why, why this is, is so important. And so I want to start with, with a scripture that kind of talks about uh, how trust is the bedrock of, of all these relationships. And so this play number two, discretion, not deception, is tied to this bedrock of trust. And I'm going to read it and then kind of point some things out. This is what it says. It says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves. I want to stop right there. Uh, Paul was writing this. I talked about Paul last week. He's kind of written two-thirds of the New Testament. And he's talking about the more that you know God, uh, the more that you mature. And so you have to take time to get to know him. And that's, again, that, that process of change. As, as God leads you through Jesus Christ, you have a new head coach. Your plays are different. There's a new way of living. And as you, you follow through and as you get to know him, your life begins to change from the inside out. And so here he's describing when this happens, when you grow and when you mature and when you know God, you're no longer going to be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Then verse 15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. And so there's this picture of, again, the, the old way and the new way. And the focus here is how trust is this idea of truthing in love opposite of a few words, true or cunning, deceit, and scheming. And so I just want to highlight those words. If you see cunning there in the middle of the screen, it's also on your handout if you want to follow along. Here, here's what, what cunning means practically with people. Uh, you, you play games with people. Do you guys know what I mean by you play games? Yeah. The, the game playing is, is actually, it's hard to define if someone's doing it because 
you have to kind of admit it yourself. Like you're playing games when somebody is trying to kind of determine what you're doing and maybe they're calling you out on something, but you're not really letting on that that's happening. And so you're just playing enough games and literally that word cunning is, is you're rolling the dice. And we tend to do that with people. Like they're trying to help us or they're trying to maybe challenge us. They're trying to encourage us. But there's this thing where we're just playing games like, just no, what you can't say. I'm just, just it's, not, it's not what you think. You're just rolling the dice. Like, oh, here, oh, you see it? You see it? And it's just this confusion that, that happens. Because there's confusion, uh, people are, are led astray. They don't quite know who you are. Uh, the next word, craftiness, uh, kind of goes on further. This is literally meaning like trickery. Uh, we, we can trick people. So back to this idea of games, it's, it's more this idea of you're, you're like a magician, the sleight of hand. And so they may see something that would be really key to your life or helping you, or there's some progress that you need to make. And as somebody's trying to help you, or maybe it's a boss trying to kind of lead you forward, there's this thing of like, they're focusing here. And all of a sudden you're like, well, look over here. What about this person? What about the situation? And it's this idea of like, don't focus here. Am I a magi- Like, did you guys, I would fail, but that's all I got as a magician. It's just, it's just get focus, focus on, on here. Like a magician would with a, with a card trick. And then Paul goes on and describes people with deceitful schemes. Uh, this is literally like a wandering, like you're just kind of going around and you're just leading people on a goose chase and you don't want anyone to quite know what you're doing, who you are, and you just want them to kind of follow you around and then you're, you're just trying to lose them. And we, we tend to do that in relationships where we don't want people to get close to us. Because if they get close to us, because maybe experiences we've had, we've been burned, and there's these things that we don't want to face that pain again. Or if they get close to us, they're going to see things that we know aren't good in our life, and we might have to change them. And so it's just all these, this cunning, this deceit, the trickery. It's just all this, this work that we do so people can't really see who we are. Again, we don't, we don't talk about this, but this is something that we all face. And the reason we all face it is because we all mess up. We are a broken people. We're messed up people. You guys encouraged yet? But it's true. There's something about when you get to the point where you realize like you're, you're, you are broken and you're messed up because we've all sinned, there's just going to be a pull that we always have, and you just have to face that. Whenever we do wrong from a young age, don't we just want to lie when we're, get, we're caught? The old phrase, like your hand is caught in the cookie jar? No, it's not. No, actually, it is. No, it's not. But what about brother? He did that. You know, we do that really young. We tattle. Again, I... I'm going to fail as a magician, but you, you, you get the point. And so what Paul is saying is that the opposite of this is this, this true thing in love. Like there's a love that exists that we want to tell the truth to each other because we know that we're not going to be condemned. We're not going to be judged. We're not going to be put in this, this corner because of the things that we've done. And so here at Ridgeview, we want to create this kind of community where people can actually be truthful about what's going on in their life, honest about it, and they get the help that they want. And the, the opposite is, it just leads people to, to not having close relationships. And so here's some practical ways that we, we do this. When people ask uh, how we're doing, uh, we try to fake it until we make it. How are you doing? It's great. Life is great. But inside, it's like crumbling, and you know it. Another thing is uh, when we're caught, you know, in a lie, and we, we, we lie to our spouses, we lie to our kids, we lie to our boss, we lie to our coworkers, we lie to our family, uh, we just try to spin it. Like we're caught in the lie. And we just try to spin it so that we can just get out of it. 
And then another thing is we, we focus on just the outward appearance and, and looking the part. We, we know how to put on a shell. We know how to just do and say things so that everything just seems like it's okay. Now, if this is you today, here's the good news. This is not to condemn you. This is actually to say the Bible cuts right through to what's really going on, and it calls it what it is. These patterns that we have, no matter how long you've done them or no matter how long the people that you've related to have done them, these patterns that we've had, these can change with the help of Jesus Christ. And we need his help because we can get so caught in this whirlwind of all these things. And one of the biggest shames that I've seen in my life is people come to church and they actually do the same thing. And I often say this, have you ever had a fight on your way to church? Or you've ever had the worst morning during church? It's like just, all right, kids, pick out your up. I don't want to wear clothes. You need to. Why do you hate me? And it's just this swirl or like all of a sudden, like with you and your spouse, it's like everything's going great on Saturday. And then Sunday you wake up and it's like, whoa, why are we just at each other or on the way to, you know, church? Why don't you go that way? I didn't want to go that way. This one, And then you come in and sing, pray, <laughs> sing, and you're inside. There's just bitterness. And, you know, isn't that the way it is? I mean, that's, it's true, right? We just kind of, we have to put on this appearance. I'm not saying you come in and it's like, <laughs> just bawling, like, we hate each other, help, you know, that, but at, at the end of the day, this has to be a place where you can really be honest about what's going on. Because if you can't be honest in church, where God's people are, and where God dwells, and where he comes and he helps his people, then you can't be honest anywhere. And you can't be real. And so we want to be a church where people can be real with what, what they're facing. Paul goes on later in Ephesians 4.25, and he, again, it's this putting off and then putting on, and this is what he says, therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor for all members of one body. And that's his church. It's, the picture is this body that's all connected. Each part does its part. Each part has value. And so if your body is deceiving you, it's like when your foot is asleep. Have you ever ex- experienced that? Like, I don't know if you've ever s- sat like crisscross applesauce recently in your life. We're going to do that after the church, you know, just as like an experiment. But I'm too old for that. My foot starts falling asleep, and I've gotten up before, and I, I'm, I'm like literally, you know, I, I can't hardly stand. Or it feels like my leg's just going to fold in half. And that, that's what the picture is. It's like when we're not real with each other and we're, we're faking it, it's like your foot is asleep and it can't function. Or worse, the point where the deceit is strong and, and it's just this pattern, it's like, Peace is just cut off and it's, it's not helping you. It's broken. That's what Paul's saying is this can't be the way of the church. This can't be the way of God's community. You have to put off falsehood and you have to speak truthfully in love as he commanded. Maybe you guys have seen uh, this, uh, this quote, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. You guys heard that before? It's actually fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, Shame on you. That's actually the biblical approach is it's, now, the shame on me, what they're saying is like, because I trusted you and you burned me again. But when you're deceiving, that shame is still on you. But I think this really does kind of illustrate the erosion that 
a lack of trust brings. It's this point, like, you, you really can't trust what somebody says, can't trust what they do, and it just leads to just terrible relationships. We've all experienced this. We've all seen it. So this, this idea of, of throwing this off is this also imagery of the, what the Scriptures have. It's not only just kind of taking off the old way and putting on the new, but it's also this coming out of the darkness and going into the light. And so the darkness represents that scheming and the cunning and the deceit and the lies, and the lightness represents the new life in Christ, the fact that we don't have to be in darkness anymore. And this is what it says in 1 John 1, illustrating this. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So a major goal in following Christ, if you're investigating what it means to follow Jesus, a major goal is, and a major just difference that you have is the things that you've always done your own way in the dark without anybody to see behind the curtain. Is he still here? Yeah, I'm still here. I'm just right here. But you, you come out. You, you come out from that, that hidden place, the place of doing life yourself, the place of trying to fix yourself. And you, you come out in the light. You say, I am here And God, I need you to help me. I'm bringing the things that I have in the darkness and I'm bringing it into the light. And the major motivator of this is because God himself is in the light. So when we're deceiving and lying, just kind of doing our own thing in the darkness, God actually can't have fellowship with us. That's what the scripture is saying. There's just this part where you are now, you're detached from God. It doesn't mean that he's left you. He will never leave you and forsake you. That's a promise. But it means that he's not dwelling there and able to help you in the same way because you're, you're in the darkness, indulging in the things of the darkness of sin. But he is light, and so he, he's always calling us to the light where he is. And that's what it says in 1 John 1, 5, a couple verses before it. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. So practically, part of this idea of Okay, I need discretion, not deception. I don't want to deceive people. I, I need to move into the light. Here, here's some ways that you can do this. The first thing is, if you have not yet decided to follow Christ, the, the first step you, you have to make is, is towards him because that's how you get fellowship with God. He connects you back. Jesus connects you back. He forgives you of your sin. All the things that you've ever done in the darkness, all the things that you're ashamed of, you've been forgiven of. And you just have to confess that to God. God, I'm a sinner and I've messed up, and I'm a deceiver, and I'm a liar, and I don't want to be that person anymore. And so you, you confess that to God, and you, you ask him, God, forgive me of, of these sins, and you begin to move towards this light. And that's, that's what it means to become a Christian. I don't want to be in the darkness anymore. I want to be in the light. And so as you, you do that, and you decide to follow him, he, he begins to lead you, and he leads you specifically through the scriptures. And so another way to, to come into the light is, is you, you get the truth of God's word. It is a light in your life. It is a light to your path. It leads you forward. And then you, you have to pray and you have to ask God for help. When you get to that point where you want to deceive, you get to the point where you want to lie. You say, God, I want to do this. It's not right. I want to hide. I want to do my own thing. Will you help me right here and right now? And you ask him. And then when you have done it, you confess, God, I, I lied. I deceived. I put a mask on. Will you forgive me for that? You make it right. That's the step of walking into the light. 
And so you, you turn to Jesus, you ask him to lead you, you read the Bible, you pray, and that's the practical way he does it. And then the other thing is, is you move towards the light as you get time around with God's people who are in the light. These are the, the people of the light who God is working in them and, and, and they're not out to deceive you. They're out to help you. And so you move towards the church. They're a community that, that can help. There's people that, that can pray for you. And, and there, there's a cost to this. It costs us time uh, because we have to pursue the things that are in the light. And then do this cost you not getting what you want. Most of the time when we deceive, it's because we, we have some things that we really want that are important to us. We're willing to do it even at the cost of trust. So it costs you that. Change is hard. It's painful. It's humbling. It's humbling to admit that we deceive, that we fake people out. It's humbling. But once you do it, you realize that God is so gracious. When you humble yourself, God is gracious. He, he will forgive you, and he, he does not judge you. He's just been waiting for you to turn to him. So that's some of the cost, but there's also this damage of deception that, that we have to talk about. Because there's always a cost to following Jesus. But there's all, also a huge cost, far greater for not and for remaining in the darkness. So here, here's just a few. This isn't exhaustive, but it's, it's some. Here's the damage of deception. The first is trust erodes. If you continue in the darkness and we don't tell truth to each other, then there is no trust in relationships. And without trust, you cannot have a strong relationship. I want to show kind of the second part of the interview of Lance Armstrong where he describes um, having to tell his son that he was a cheater and that he was a liar. Let's, let's watch this together. Uh, when this all really uh, started, I saw my son defending me and saying, uh, that's not true. What you're saying about my dad is not true. And it almost goes to this question of why now? You know, he can't. Yeah. That's when I knew I had to tell him. And he'd never asked me. He'd never said, Dad, is this true? He trusted me. Mm-hmm. And I heard about it in the hallways. It's painful to watch, right? He's describing this process of his, his son actually never doubted his dad, never doubted it. He didn't ask him because he trusted him. And he came to the point where he realized, like, there, he has actually no reason to trust me because I've not been telling the truth. And so he, 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 he tells his son, but what, what's happened now is that the trust that was there, that wasn't even questioned now, it's, it's eroded and it's gone. And here's the good news. You may be here today and somebody's burned you or you've burned somebody, and it's broken. My prayer for for Lance Armstrong and for any of us where trust has been broken is you can rebuild it. It's going to take time. 
there's maybe a lot of damage that needs to be made right. There needs to be a lot of healing, but it does take time. The Bible specifically speaks about it's love and faithfulness. For trust to be rebuilt, it takes love and it takes faithfulness. It takes this new approach, what I talked about last week. But there is hope. Because without hope, then why would we ever change? But there's a sense of like when we step forward and we kind of throw off this, these lies that, that we can rebuild. And so trust eroding is a huge damage, but it can be rebuilt. The second is uh, we're not unified. I already illustrated the, 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 the body and being connected to each other. So when we deceive, we're, we're not a team. There's a disconnect. There's just things that happen where, where we can't move forward together. We can't function. We can't accomplish uh, as we should. And then the third is another damage is no, no one can help. If people don't know who you are, they can't help you because they don't know who you are and what you're dealing with and what, what you're facing. Here's another quote. Not telling the truth is the quickest way to turn yourself into a stranger. They think they know you, but it's not you. It's somebody else. It's who you're projecting. It's who you want to appear to be. Um, I had an illustration of this this past week. I actually shared this on social media. I thought it was hilarious, but I thought it fits to this. I had strangers come into my home um, this past week on Saturday night, and I was home. Sam and the kids were, were I think, at a, at a party, and I'd just gotten home from another function, and I'm sitting on my couch, and this couple open the door and walk in with food. And I'm sitting on the couch, and last Sunday was our Discovering Faith lunch at our house. And so I thought, are they here for the Discovering Faith lunch, and they just got the day mixed up? Or did I say it's on a Saturday and I've forgotten? And I don't know them, but how did they hear about it? And all this is going on in my head. I'm like getting this mode of like, hi, like welcoming them. And all of a sudden, they start talking, and they're like, where's the, the party in? Well, I, I'm just here. I, it's just me. There's no, no party. And uh, I have a picture of the, the couple. I took a selfie with them afterwards. It just, it just cracked me up because they came. They realized they're in the wrong place. And I realized they're in the wrong place. And so it kind of shifted from, hi, welcome. Wait. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then they called and got to the right address. And I was just cracking up because it's kind of like now we know each other. Like, I'm, I wonder what they're doing, you know. I should check on them, you know, see how they're doing. Um, but I got to tell them about the church, and I'm a pastor. And, and we just, we had this moment, and then it cracked me up. Sam and the kids come home, and then they're leaving in the driveway, and Sam kept pulling because they're in the driveway. And it's like, hey, meet, you know, our new friends. And all the kids come up and shake their hand, and Sam, and, and then they walk to the party. And I thought, like, that, that's the perfect illustration of, of this idea of just not quite being real with who you are and what you're facing. It's we, we enter a room, and it's, it's like we're strangers. Like, I had no idea who these people are. Now, with us, like, we see, and they look normal. But inside, it's just like they might as well be somebody we don't know. And so what Paul is saying is, what John is saying is, like, this is not the way that we live. God wants us to be known. He wants to know us first and foremost. And then he wants us to be known by others. And so I want to apply kind of the second play specifically, the second heart attitude of Ridgeview. The first one was to put the goals and interests of others above my own. Here's heart, heart attitude number two. 
It's to live an honest and open life uh, before others. This is a value that, that we hold dear to us. It's the sense of we're going to live a life where the outward and the inward, they, they match. There's congruence there. That's actually what it means to have integrity. What you see is what's really going on. Now, the reason the play is called discretion, not deception, is we do need discretion. Sometimes we think being honest means being transparent. Has anyone been transparent with you and you thought, that was a little too much, (laughs) a little too soon, take a step back and let's restart? Has that ever happened to you? And different people can share openly than others, but there's sometimes where it's actually good not to share every thought you've ever had because that could freak people out. So you don't need to share maybe things that aren't helpful, but you need to share enough where if people are to ask how things are going and what's going on, there's a sense in which you can speak honestly about some things that you're facing. And so this isn't about being transparent and just being an open book, but there's different people that you need to be able to talk to about things that you're facing and you can be honest. And we want this church to be that place where you can come and I'm struggling with this and I need help. And you can get the help and you can get prayers and you can get encouragement. And so when you live honest and open, it's that idea of I'm gonna just pull towards people when it's uncomfortable. I'm gonna humble myself when it's uncomfortable and I'm gonna choose to be real about what's going on. And in there, there's, there's light and there's, there's freedom. I want to share a video of, of Joel, who he was our host this morning. Uh, he just shared how he's kind of seen this play out in Ridgeview so far. Let, let's watch it. Hi, my name is Joel, and I'm going to share about heart attitude number two, which is to live an open and honest life before God and others. One of the ways I've seen this lived out at Ridgeview is through the Connect Groups. The Connect Groups are the weekly small group meetings that are held. And during those times, I'm able to connect with people before and after group in one-on-one conversations to catch up. But during the actual group time, they're sharing. And I've seen people in these group times be very vulnerable with their shortcomings or their struggles, imperfections, asking for prayer, and really wanting to make progress in a certain area of life. And that's been a real encouragement to me to see people really share their struggles and not pretend to be perfect. And it's helped me, reminded me that I don't need to pretend to be someone I'm not. We're all moving through this life together. And with the help of God and the encouragement and prayers of the church, we can make real progress. And that's been a true encouragement to me. And Joel, Joel's specifically speaking on connect groups. And this is actually one of the primary reasons we offer a connect group is you have to create, create environments where the hard attitudes can be lived out. Now, this happens on a Sunday as a, a large group, but it really needs to happen practically too in smaller groups. And so we have these connect groups where you can be known by others and others, and you can know them, and there's this relationships that can develop. And so I encourage you, sign up for a connect group because these, these plays in this playbook, this is where it, where it happens. And so if you write connect group, like Joel said on your connection card, we'll get you more info. So I wanna give just some more replays kind of where we've been so far. Replay number one. Play number one, put the goals and interests of others above my own. Hard attitude number one. And then play number two, live an honest and open life uh, before others. I want to give you a little preview for next week. Play number three, give and receive scriptural correction. Uh, Joel, who you just saw in the video and who is our host, he's going to be speaking uh, next week. And so I want to just tell you a little bit about what's happening with, with our family and just ask for your, your prayers we're going to England today. Um, I know, that's, what I, that's how I feel. Uh, we packed yesterday, so I think we're ready. 
but my, my mom is British, and I grew up in England, and kind of all of my mom's side of the family uh, lives there. And my grandma is almost 95. She's going to be 95 years old. And my grandma has really been the spiritual beacon and, like, rock for our family. We've had, you know, speaking of messed up, we've had a lot of broken marriages and relationships in our family. But throughout all the things that have happened, my grandma has remained this faithful woman who has dedicated her life to God. And she has spent really the last 20 years of visiting people who've lost their spouses and serving people and extending herself. Um, She was a missionary in her older years, just she continued to do this. And so part of what we decided as a family, her health is declining. Uh, She's having kind of some falls and and things are are slowing down a little bit. And so we thought, you know, now is the time for us to visit her while she's still alive uh, so we can honor her. And so here's a picture of us three years ago. I told myself I wasn't going to cry, but I knew if I looked, and I looked, I don't look. Um, and so I, I'm really excited about, um, about this, but I, I just ask for your prayer as we travel. And more importantly, if you could pray that we'll really be able to uh, honor her and show our appreciation, that the kids will get a chance to connect with her, um, you know, one last time. See, with me, sometimes you, you do know a little too much as well, because I cry a lot. Um, but I, I'd appreciate the, the prayers. And uh, we're going to be gone uh, for about a week and a half. And so Joel is going to uh, speak next week, and I, I know you guys are going to look forward to, to hearing from him. I just want to uh, mention one other thing that we haven't talked about yet. There's a flyer in your uh, program that looks like this, how to make a bad decision. And I've made a lot of bad decisions in my life. And sometimes you actually need to look at why you make the decisions that you make so you can make the right decisions. So in this series, uh, we're calling this a big day. And a big day here at Ridgeview is when we rally around kind of a new topic that's a felt need that people really want to, to grow in and learn about. And I want to encourage you to invite family and friends to join us. Now, that's every week, right? That's true. We want you to invite people to be a part of this church. But specifically on these big days, as we launch a new series, we want people to kind of come on the front end of a topic that's going to speak to them. So here's what you don't want to do. You don't want to hand them the flyer and say, you need this. Because again, it's called how to make a bad decision. But you may just talk about, you know, our church is going to be talking about decision making and how to make good decisions. And we're actually going to look at the Bible on how people have made bad decisions so we can learn from it. And we're going to have Krispy Kremes as we launch on the 22nd. And so use that flyer to invite people. So I just wanted to put that on your radar. That's going to be September 22nd. I think that's going to be a great um, opportunity to to, to gather together. And so just wanted you to know, use that to invite people. We'll have flyers. They're always on the table if you need to pick up some more. And I I encourage you to do that. So let me pray. Uh, Joel's going to come up as the band comes up and walk through some next steps. And then uh, after we finish our last song, after we've received our offering, um, I'm going to just give some thoughts uh, on our volunteers for our volunteer appreciation. Let's pray. Father, thank you for that you are the God who is in the light and you bring the light to the darkness. We don't have to hide. We don't have to fake it. We're accepted by you and we can receive forgiveness and we can step out from the darkness and we can come into the light. 
God, I, I pray if there's anyone here that's just struggling and they feel like they're stuck and they're struggling and they feel like they cannot get out of what they're in, today will you bring them forth in your power. Allow them to know that they are loved and that they can change. And God, I pray that we're a church that moves towards being real with each other and accepting of each other and encouraging each other to live out the best that you have for our life. So we pray that you'll unify us in the name of Jesus. Amen.